You're listening to Siren Radio with me, Andrew David, poised as ever around about four. It's about 10 minutes past four on a Thursday. It's the 14th of October. So that's the context in which you're hearing this. You may be listening between five and six on a Thursday or between eight and nine on a Saturday or taking it off the Siren Radio podcast. But what is it you're taking off? It is, of course, American Cousins. And I'm delighted to say that I've managed to make contact with Bruce K. Rosenblum, despite the fact that his PC decided not to connect. But his faithful old laptop is allowing us to hear the voice which now speaks to us live ish from the man cave. Are you there, Bruce? I am here. We are up and running in the man cave and uh, beautiful day here in Southern California. It's the kind of day that if people saw, they'd want to move here. Yes, absolutely. Don't go on about it, because at the moment we are covered in this country, particularly in the East Midlands, by a sort of grey, flat cloud. Lots of great things to talk about. Some good stuff, some challenging stuff and some fun yeah. stuff. You've got a competition at the end, but we have to go boldly where wait, wait, one wait, person don't, has. Don't, don't, don't give this away. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me set it up. OK, so. So, Andrew, I'm going to yes, ask you a question. Bruce. Who said the following? I hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can maintain what I feel now, always. There are chills going down the back of my neck because you sound just like the person who perhaps spent the bulk of his career just down the road from where you are in Woodland Hills. That has to be William Shatner. You are 100% correct. And he said that <laughs> William Shatner, known famously as Captain Kirk from the original Star Trek, he said this after hitching a ride on the suborbital spacecraft that uh, the Blue Origin uh, uh, space flight. Um, he was uh, he 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 was the he's the 90 year old Shatner is now the oldest person ever to go into space, and he went up there with a group. And uh, I'll tell you, it, it is it's kind of interesting that the guy that you know has always been known for outer space entertainment as a writer, as an actor, finally realized his dream at 90 years old has become the oldest person ever to, to, to go into space. And um, he's, he, was, he's, uh, he was like as giddy as a little kid. Well, the thing that really impressed me was how nimble he still was at 90. He was m moving up those stairs. Um, he, he had to clamber into a small capsule. He's 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 he OK, he's carrying a bit of weight, but then he has done for the last 30 years. And he always did a bit in those tight Lycra uniforms in the 1960s. But he looked really fit. Yeah. I mean, he was so excited to do this. I mean, it was like a little kid. I mean, it was <laughs> like it, it, it was really great. And I mean, to, you know, and how perfect, you know, Captain Kirk. You know, became real, lived his Captain Kirk dream. I mean, he absolutely he is going into outer space at, at 90 years old. I mean, how, right. how fantastic. Now, there are other great things. We've got some news, positive news about the Dodgers. We've got a competition, um, but we've got some fairly gritty stuff to, to whiz through. First of all, what's the coronavirus like? Uh, COVID, how's it happening in the United States? Well, you know, COVID cases um, are declining in the U.S., which is a good thing. And I think it's kind of being directly related to the fact that people seem to be changing their minds about the vaccination, particularly those of Latino, um, particularly Latinos in this country who um, are working to overcome barriers such as transportation, language and just trusted information sources on the on the on the uh, uh, vaccination. But it seems as though um, 
whatever they're doing to to get to this group um, is working. And as a result, overall, uh, coronavirus cases are declining. But and it's a big it's a big but <laughs> um, the new inf- number of new infections in children remains exceptionally high. And uh, and that's a concern. Um, we did talk about Pfizer um, coming up with a, a one-third dosage of their vaccine for children five to eleven, and and they're they are now in the system and, and going through the process of getting of getting uh, approval on that for kids, and hopefully that'll happen soon. Um, but yeah, the kids is still is still the key here. Um, but um, overall, infections are going down. But uh, with winter coming. Um, the experts are saying that um, they could see cases go back up again because more people will be remaining indoors. Um, they're not going to be wearing masks, and if they're not vaccinated, that could be that could be a huge problem that that tips the scale in the other direction. But for right now, we seem to be going in, in the right direction, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, as that continues and the economy continues to, re- to recover, we'll we'll be okay. Although the vaccine continues to be. Uh, a political football in this country in in that uh, our, our, our governor of Texas, for example, and governors of Florida are doing the same thing, are issuing executive orders banning all state entities, including private employers, from enforcing vaccine mandates. Um, and the latest move in, 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 you know, was Greg Abbott um, crusading against, you know, public health measures uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. And he's, you know, telling people, you know, that it's okay uh, that they don't, if they voice, if people voice or object for any reason of personal conscience, that it's okay for them not to get the vaccine. He said, while the vaccine, while he admits that the vaccine is safe and effective, he said it should remain voluntary for state residents. And and this is and this is in you know a direct comeback at you know at Joe Biden who directed the Labor Department to require all businesses with a hundred or more employees to ensure their workers are either vaccinated or tested once a week. And many companies are saying that if they're not, if if you're not vaccinated, you don't have a job. Um, that's how that's how strong some of these 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 companies are are taking this, this these mandates. But again, it's it, it's a it's just another it's a political football, and any opportunity that these red state governors can 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 you know fight back against Biden and the administration or or public health officials for what they're trying to do to, to help people. Stay safe and healthy. You know, it's you know, it's 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 a never it's 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 like this 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 hole that you keep digging and you never get out of because mm. you know no matter what you do, there's just always somebody that's that's fighting you tooth and nail on it. So, and, and well, so, and talking but, about holes that you can't get out of, that leads us on to debt ceiling because yeah. that's you've 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 got some grace time, but at a cost. Yeah, I, you know, the debt ceiling became again. Another political football. I mean, when when Trump wanted to raise the debt ceiling, the Democrats, you know, without question, helped helped raise the debt ceiling, um, and it wasn't really an issue. But now, all of a sudden, uh, that you know, we're again at that time where we have to deal with the debt ceiling, and Republicans are saying, "Well, we're not going to help. We're you're, the Democrats. You're on your own. You want to, you know, take whatever measures you need to take to get it done. Fine, do it." And um, Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, was warning lawmakers that if, you know if if we don't get something done, you know um, the country could run out of cash by October 18th, which is just a couple of days from now. 
and uh, which which would which would trigger you know massive you know crashes in the stock market and 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 all sorts of other defaults on loans and and our U.S. credit rating. I mean, it's just so many. It triggers so many bad things. Uh, and so there was a real stalemate, and the Democrats and Republicans were going back and forth at each other. And finally, Mitch McConnell um, came up with a plan that he proposed to Chuck Schumer. The two of them met. Um, they agreed. They, the, the Senate uh, passed the stopgap measure um, that was put forth. It went back to the House of Representatives, which uh, the House approved the extension of the nation's debt limit through early December. It goes to Biden's desk where he's expected. It was expected to be signed, and um, you know, and and they'll take this up again on December third hmm. when it comes up again. Um, I guess for for next year's uh, debt ceiling uh, budget. But the one caveat here is that oh, good old Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, you know, had to get his his two cents worth, you know, and and take a shot at the Republicans after McConnell came forward and, and helped him. And he lambasted McConnell and the Republicans for their game playing and, and their and their disruption of the process. And uh, you know, it was probably the wrong thing to say at the wrong time. And what made it worse is that uh, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, who helped broker this thing, was sitting behind Schumer, and as Schumer was making his his partisan remarks. He had his head in his hands and was shaking his head like, "No, you're not. I can't believe you're going to. You're saying this and you're going down that road." But Schumer did, and as expected, McConnell came back and said, "You know, inappropriate comments. You know, we just, you know, reached across the aisle and helped you out, and then now you, you now you say these things." And uh, he said, "I can guarantee you, in December, you 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 don't even don't even bother. We're not gonna we're not gonna be there for you. You're on your own." So um, you're going to have to go through the Reconciliation Act or do what you have to do, but you're going to raise you're going to raise the debt ceiling on your own without our help. So you know, it, it, as much as they try to be bipartisan, you know, somebody you know frustration and anger just can't he just can't keep his mouth shut, no. and it blows the whole thing up, and, and we're back to where we started. So and, okay. and it hurts because you know we have the midterms in 2022 and we got the election in 2024. You know, Biden's taken, you know, kicks in the rear end from from all sides, from his own party, from the in, infighting uh, of the de- in the Democratic Party between the progressives and the moderates. You've got um, uh, Republicans um, going after the Democrats. Um, and, and if history uh, proves itself out by 2022, the Republicans will have control of the houses, the House and the Senate again. And uh, Biden will be officially a lame duck president. And, you know. We, we sit for two years with nothing happening in Washington until the next election. And then 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 what happens? Is it, you know, is Trump going to run again? Um, I, I think most Republicans just don't want us. I think where most a lot of Republicans are on Trump is that they kind of liked his policy and liked some of the things he actually got done. They just don't like the way he went about it. They didn't like the mean spiritedness of it. They didn't like the attacks on our democracy. Um I think many of them, you know, are of the feeling that the election wasn't rigged, but you know, there's still some out there that are that are holding to the big lie because they need it for their to get to get reelected. But, you know, there's a lot going on where, you know, other candidates, hopefully on the Republican side are emerging. I don't know who runs on the Democratic side. I don't I, I can't imagine Biden's going to run for reelection. He just you know, he's just doesn't seem like he's all together 
you know, these days. He seems like he's all over the place. He seems very scattered, and I think that's a real problem. And I think they're going to they're going to attack him on his um, his mental comp, you know, his competency yeah. uh, going forward. So um, Kamala Harris. Times. I don't know if it's Harris is the right person to run as VP. I don't know that she's done much to, to prove that she's she's worth going, you know, becoming the next president. So the Democrats have a huge problem on their hands in 2022 and really in 2024. Um, Nikki Haley was out here at the Reagan Library the other night, um, you know, planting her her stakes in the ground to run for president. Um, basically, you know, made the comment that Democrats don't care about America anymore. But um, he, she's somebody that. The Republicans seem like they could get behind Adam Kinzinger is somebody, you know, who we've talked about before that yeah. if he ran, I, I would I would be in the Kinzinger camp. I, I think, you know, he's he's a centrist. He's got common sense. He's a veteran. He, he, he gets it. I would love to see him run um, bar, you know, and, and I would be very open minded to to somebody like him. But we'll see. We'll see where this all goes. But it's um, politics in this country is. You know, I, I was talking to the boys at Starbucks and I was talking to our friend Len, you know, who we know is a very, very conservative Republican. And, you know, and all of us were, you know, we're, we're all scratching our heads saying, you know, where where the heck is this country going politically? We don't understand what what the Democrats or the Republicans each stand for anymore. Mm. Um, we we, un, we we're, we're perplexed about the fact that there's no accountability and no one held responsible for things anymore in this country. Um, and and we're, we're we're concerned about the whole that we talked about earlier, the whole global distribution chain. Well, that, pandemic, that, you know, really rocking our whole world. That puts us all together in the same boat now, because there are huge issues about getting stuff to the people who need it. Um, we are not out of the, the woods with coronavirus. And one of the corollaries of it has been this huge problem with just getting stuff to move around the world and get the economies going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have computer chip shortages. We have port congestion. We have lack of truck drivers. You know, the world's delicate supply chains are under extreme stress. And, um, you know, you know that you're familiar with Moody's, right? And, and yep. they had a report where they wrote that border controls, mobility restrictions, unavailability of global vaccine passes, pent up demand from being stuck at home and have a combined for a perfect storm where global production will be hampered because deliveries are not made in time. Costs and prices will rise and GDP, GDP growth worldwide will not be as robust as a result. And, the, and this is where the, the UK, they bring in the UK into this and where they say, uh, and you can talk about this more. The report warned that the weakest link may be the shortage of truck drivers, an issue that has led to congestion at ports and caused petrol stations in the United Kingdom to run dry. And not just there, but here, I mean, you've seen pictures of ships out at sea can't get to the port. Yep. When they get to the port, they can't get the product unloaded. When they get the product unloaded, they don't have trucks to drive it away. The containers are in the wrong places. I mean, everything that can go wrong is wrong. And it's not like we didn't know about this, right? We, we, we saw this coming. Well, absolutely. And governments were warned. I mean, going back to us uh, and our, I love the fact that you didn't say gas stations, but petrol stations um, and well trained you are uh, to, to do that. Um, we, our government was told a couple of months before the issue that there was going to be a supply problem. Um, and yet they did little or nothing. And eventually 
at the 11th hour, brought in the army and trained some of the army drivers up to move fuel around. We've also got a problem with our electricity suppliers. Um, and this is sort of post-COVID thing um, and post-Brexit thing, uh, as well as the drivers not being there. Um, we've got uh, an energy crisis and the fact we can't get enough electricity at the right price. And a lot of the companies that were set up a couple of years ago to offer people much cheaper domestic uh, prices have found that they can no longer buy the electricity at that rate and they have gone to the wall and talking about uh, the the supply chain um there is a problem that uh, is affecting farmers like farmers we've got here in in lincolnshire uh, the pig farmers when uh, when a pig in this country gets to around 100 kilos that's when it goes off to market so to speak because mm. they've not got the drivers that's a problem they've not actually got the abattoir workers either and so if these pigs now go to 105 kilos, which is what they'll do because they'll carry on eating, the supermarkets won't buy the meat because apparently it comes out it's too big. And I don't quite understand why it is too big and you have a problem there. But it's, it's it, as you say, the very fragile uh, supply chain just in time, all that sort of stuff is almost at its knees. Yeah, it, it's bad. I mean, we're... It, we're seeing meat prices, particularly pork prices, skyrocketing here in the United States. And also, uh, just products are, are, are on delay. Getting, getting auto parts, getting just the basic things that you need are not showing up in the markets. Aisles are, are, are starting to, to run bare because there's no one able to unload the, the, um, the cartons or the containers coming off the ships, and then there's nobody able to drive the containers to where they need to go. Absolutely. It's a, a shortage of, of drivers. So it, Sheer it, madness. Yeah, and, and, and that could affect Christmas with toy distribution. And um, Oh, don't say that. You're, you're your grandchildren. Oh, I, I know. It's, it's, um, you know we've, been, we've been preparing for this all year, so we've been going to, to like, we have a store called Home Goods, and we have a store we have, um, where they have a toy section. And they're and they're always discounting toys, and we just we've been buying toys, you know, for five dollars, you know, twenty dollars, twenty thirty dollar toys that they mark down to five dollars. You've been panic buying. You've been stockpiling. We've been, we've been stockpiling toys not only for our grandkids because, but we every year we like to donate to to children who you you know who are are struggling, you know, families who are struggling. Fantastic. And so we make big drop offs. So they it's called the spark of love. Oh, all fantastic. the fire, all the fire stations in Los Angeles County, um, under the banner of Sparks of Love, uh, collect toys. Oh, fantastic! So we 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 buy all, toys all year long, and then we we package them up and we take them to the fire stations, or we take them to the Toys for Tots, or we take them to what they call Stuff a Bus. <laughs> the local the local uh, ABC affiliate in Los Angeles, KABC, uh, does a thing called Stuff a Bus, and they drive. A number of big like buses, like school, like a double decker bus or a big school bus, and they drive them to a location like um, the, the, the Topanga Plaza Mall. Yep. And, and they park them in the parking lot, and people show up, and they bring bags and boxes of toys to stuff the bus full of toys. Oh, and fantastic! Distribute. So, so we we do that throughout the year. We we find you know wherever we're seeing toys on sale or markdown or whatever, we buy as much as we can. And we just so we have the, that guest bedroom where you always stay when you when you visit us is is loaded with toys. Oh, wonderful! And we take and then we you know we, we, of course we put a couple away for the grandkids, <laughs> um, 
but I mean, I mean, not a lot. I mean, we don't we don't overdo the toy thing with them. You know, we but but we make sure that all the toys are distributed and given, and it oh, gives fantastic. us a pleasure to do it. We one year we did the stuff a bus and we brought um, Brooklyn and Dodger when they were alive, the two dogs with us, and they took pictures of us and they put it on TV. It was oh, really fantastic. It was really neat. So it, it's you know, but. Anyway, we're off. We're, we're kind of. Well, no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's making us feel happy. We've, we've got some really happy stuff to finish with the Dodgers and a little bit of a competition that you've come up with. There's one more uh, heavier subject about a national football coach who's got himself into a bit of trouble. We were talking about. Political, you were talking about political football, so we actually have a real football uh, problem. A real, we have a real football problem, in that one of the uh, most respected coaches. In, in, in National Football League, John Gruden, who was a Super Bowl coach, who was a broadcaster on ESPN, um, somebody uh, dug up uh, emails that he wrote 10 years ago um, where he used homophobic, racist, and misogynistic language in emails uh, when he was working as a broadcaster for ES- ESPN. And he was directing it at uh, the the head of the um, the NFL Players Association. I guess they were going through some kind of tough negotiations, and and he wanted whatever <clears throat> they were doing to be ended already. And he made some comments about this guy um, who is black, and um, uh, the guy's it's name a- is D. Maurice Smith, who's the executive director of NFL Players Association. The comments were directed at him, and you know and. So that 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 came to life, and critics called for him to be fired, um, and he resigned his position as a result of that. Um, some people were surprised, some people weren't. Um, some former players weren't surprised, and they're voicing, they're they're now voicing things about him that we had never heard before. But here was a guy who had this profile as this all America, all American boy, you know, just. Um, a great coach, great broadcaster, you know, just uh, fair and balanced. And then, you know, he's got this skeleton in his closet that somebody unearths and it destroys his life, it destroys his career. And, you know, he's probably, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's got enough money and he'll probably live in obscurity now for the rest of his rest of his days. This will never work again. He can't be a broadcaster and he'll never be a coach. So his livelihood was taken away, and it's it's you know unfortunate, but it seems to be a trend that's going on in our world today, where people are uncovering emails or tweets about people you know that that were said when they were young and stupid, or they were in high school and didn't know any better, or you know, and it's it's coming back to to ruin lives and destroy careers. Now, the I guess the bigger discussion and the bigger overall question is is. You know, can can these people be given a second chance, or is it, is the environment we're in today? Uh, it doesn't really matter when it was said. I mean, it was it was said, and and you know, action needs to be taken. It, it's not for me to decide. I don't I don't know what the right thing is or the right thing isn't. I mean, mm. um, I mean, he said this ten years ago. Um, it, it was, but you know, we, what we don't know is was it a one off or it was it was it a pattern of behavior that was just you know, we ne- we just never saw. And, and one of the problems is with social media and the speed with which information can be passed now. It it's it's almost I think the expression is a kangaroo court. They're they're condemned before they have a chance to 
put it into context or have it explored, as you've just said, um, in a broader context. It's a very difficult thing and probably not what we want to start talking about at 25 minutes into our broadcast today. But it is something which is commonly happening, not just in your country, but across uh, Europe and across the UK, um, that careers are being ended perhaps summarily without proper investigation. And as you say, there may have been also, I wouldn't necessarily say extenuating circumstances, but there may have been particular circumstances at those times, which may have changed the way we perhaps view things. But um, you have to be aware that nowadays, anything you put into the electronic atmosphere um, will, can come back to bite you on the backside. Um, sure. Yeah. Very sadly. And I just hope they never catch up. Uh, I'm, I don't think I ever dare put anything in print that, that I wouldn't be able to stand by. But you just never know. And again, it's a context thing. Look, I'm I'm, I'm aware of the, the, the time and we de we need to talk about the Dodgers. And we also got this special little thing you've come up with because you've got a lot of teachers in your family and you had a sort of national be nice to teachers day recently didn't you well well actually it, not just us but october 5th was declared world teachers day wow i don't know if you know that no i didn't and, and so there was a publication that asked their readers to share their one sentence stories about the best unconventional teachers and they said people remark responded in remarkable style um and it, it's not weird. I mean, it's like, you know, what impact did a teacher have on you, basically? Uh -huh. So some of the stories they shared was like somebody named Jesse wrote. Um, this is this is Mrs. Monfi, seventh grade English teacher, taught me, taught a budding gay boy to love himself. OK, so that person had an impact on that on Jesse. Um, when uh, somebody named Suzanne said, Ms. Dina Giovanelli taught me to let people be who they feel they are without question. My sixth grade teacher, this is from Kathy, Mrs. Freddie provided inspiration in how she lived her life away from the classroom at the end of the school year by being a participating member of the Greek opera in Athens. Oh, wow. Um, and, and there's a number of stories. Um, uh, somebody named Eugene, my high school physics teacher, Mr. Harper, taught me by example that it is best to give credit kudos to the best solution, especially if it is a variant based on your idea that you are really passionate about. Mm. You know, things like that. A high school journalism teacher, don't give up when the odds are against you. Even the smallest school newspaper can win awards if we're good enough. Now, uh, talking about awards, you've come up with a great idea. Yeah. So what I'd like to do, being that we know that, you know, we're we're on, you know, we at Siren are on the campus of Lincoln University. And we have uh, someone near and dear to us who is at Nottingham, right? Indeed. Um, I'd like to hear from some of the students um, and, 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 and hear some one-liners about what they have to say about teachers that, that had an impact on them. And then what I'd like to do, Andrew, is if we can get enough comments, and I'm, hopefully some of the students are listening to us right now, if we, if we can get enough comments uh, or enough one-liners, um, we can go through them and pick you know, what we think are the, the three or five best, most impactful ones and invite those students to come on and share their stories about their teachers. Great idea. And, um, and then what we can do is um, we'll, pick, we'll pick one or two of, that we think are, are the two best, and I will send them a Los Angeles Dodgers baseball cap or T-shirt. What a star. Guys, how's that? That's really <laughs> fantastic. And talking, this so beautifully segues into 30 seconds, because that's all we've got left on the clock. 30 seconds. Are the Dodgers still in with a chance? 
uh, the Dodgers have a chance. The, 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 what decides their fate is the game tonight. If they That's win, they move on. And if they lose, they're, they're going to watch the World Series from their couches in their homes. <laughs> Talk about taking it to the wire. Yes. And this is the, this game is not a home game, is it? It's up the road. Well, they're playing the San Francisco Giants, and they keep they kept the home field advantage kept going back and forth. The the Giants had home field because they had the better record. So it was a best of five series. The Giants won game one. Dodgers came back, won game two. They went back to L.A. The Giants beat the Dodgers in the, in the third game, but the Dodgers beat the Giants in the fourth game. So now it's two games apiece. The fifth and deciding game is tonight. It's in San Francisco, and all bets are off about what could possibly happen tonight. Who knows? Bruce Gay Rosenbluth, thank you once again for an absolutely fantastic half an hour taking us through coronavirus, debt ceiling, global economy. Are we going to have a Christmas? I love the sparks of love and all the filling of us. That was brilliant. Don't forget, if you are um, wanting to send us a one line about your teacher, Email me. That's a david at lincoln.ac.uk. That's a david at lincoln.ac.uk. And as I say, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a look at what we get in and we'll get you on the programme. And you could either win, as we've just heard, an original Dodgers um, baseball cap or a T-shirt. You're a star, sir. Have a great week and we'll speak to you about the same time next week. And you all stay stay safe and healthy as always. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.